what we're doing. And uh, if you didn't know, we do have a Bible Institute. Uh, we can award degrees, uh, associate's degrees and bachelor's degrees in ministry. Uh, we offer 104 courses. They're all free. Uh, not many places doing that. All free. And you can do all of them online. And then, um, and so we're, we're, we're going to do a couple together just so you can get a feel for it and what's going on. And this one kind of worked really well with what I'm talking about in the series that I've been doing called Now and Forever, where, you know, I've been encouraging you to, um, you know, develop some spiritual habits and how important we need to do that in our life. And uh, studying the Bible is certainly one of those that needs to be developed. And my hope is, um, for some people, for some reason, the Bible, reading the Bible sort of becomes like a chore. And once it's a chore, it, it's never what it's supposed to be. Um, it should be a joy. Uh, it should be something you look forward to. There's so much in there that um, is available to us just to, to, to kind of dig deep. And it's an amazing time. And, and because it's alive, you know, it's different than reading anything else. And we have the Holy Spirit in us illuminating truth to us and, and pointing out things. And, and so things are happening all the time. And there's lots of different ways to sort of study the Bible. And I've been going through those uh, with you. This is, uh, I think, the ninth. Uh, sort of uh, lesson on different ways to study the Bible. And today what I want to do is I want to talk about, you know, studying Bible prophecy. And we'll do this for a couple of weeks. And this is, I, I think, a really enjoyable part of the Scripture. Uh, it's not where you start. You really need to, you know, make sure you've read the Bible and you've, you've done some of the work through uh, the Gospels and parts of the Old Testament. And you've, you've learned how to sort of um, do some of the stuff we've talked about and break it down by chapters and verse and, and word and have some ideas about what those things look like. But um, all that's extremely important in uh, this process. But studying Bible prophecy is fun, and especially on these uh, coming weekends, I thought I would look at some stuff in particular. Uh, and so we're going to end, when we get to the end today, we're going to look at a, a prophecy regarding Palm Sunday. And then uh, next week, we'll look at some, uh, some of the many prophecies being fulfilled by Jesus uh, in the resurrection uh, and the crucifixion and resurrection and all that's happening. So let's sort of do a little background this week. Um, you know, the Bible, um, it's, it's actually a, it's a book of prophecy. It's an amazing thing, um, the Bible, and there's so many things. Um, and, and it's really one of the main ways it sets apart the Bible from sort of other like sacred books, you might call them, or whatever they call them, because the the Bible, the big difference about the Bible, lots of big difference, it's inspired, alive, written by God, all those things, but um, it's filled with these prophetic um, uh, announcements that have been accurately fulfilled over time. Uh, many of them have already been fulfilled, we can look, and, and you know, these things were, were prophesied that they were going to happen hundreds and hundreds of years in advance of them happening, and then they happened just the way God said they were going to happen, and there's still some that haven't happened yet, and we're waiting on those, but because we've seen so many fulfilled, we can rest in the fact that the ones that are promised are going to happen as well, and so um, it's a witness of the divine inspiration of the Bible, because all of this prophetic stuff is in there. All these things that God said were going to happen, happens, and uh, we can we can guarantee that it, that it will, because he's made them happen. And so a prophecy, uh, the way that you define prophecy, uh, the, the word actually means to speak forth. And um, there's, there's three basic kinds of speaking forth. There's a, a message of inspiration from God. There's a, a prediction of future events in God's eternal plan. 
and there's an interpretation for man of the acts of God. So when we're looking at prophecy, these three things are all happening. A message of inspiration from God, prediction of future events, uh, future events in God's eternal plan, and um, an interpretation for uh, all of us uh, on the acts of God and what's going to happen. Uh, the prophets um, are also very interesting, um, and, and God uses a lot of the Old Testament guys and New Testament folks too uh, in this area of uh, speaking prophetically, and they have particular roles in his plan. Um, they, um, they often act as interpreters, and they explain God's acts to men. Um, they, uh, they are uh, spokesmen, if you would, for the truth of God. Um, they speak messages of hope and inspiration, uh, and they predict future events in God's plans through revelation given them by the Holy Spirit. And so we have that going on. Uh, the, 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 the predictions, if you would, of the Bible are beyond the power of human ability. And uh, they, all can, they all can include a, a, enough detail uh, to eliminate speculation or guessing that what they said was going to happen, when it happens, you know it's what they said was going to happen when it happens because it happens. And, and so that sets the Bible apart from, from any other type of book. There are basically two ways that God spoke through the prophets. Um, the, the most common was the spoken word. And, uh, and God would tell the prophet the words to speak, and the prophet would speak them. Uh, for instance, prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 1.7 uh, said, But the Lord said to me, do not say, I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. And so, so we see where God speaks to these prophets, tells them what to go and say, and they go and say it. They are saying the spoken word. There's also um, acted prophecies where um, God would have the prophets sometimes visually act out a message. Uh, for example, God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah 27, 2, this is what the Lord said to me, make a yoke out of straps and crossbars and put it on your neck. And, and the, the yokes were a visual prophecy of the yokes of bondage, which were to come on the people because of their sin. And so Jeremiah was acting out the prophetic message of God. You'll see those throughout the scripture. There's different things that um, God would have the prophets to have do for people to notice what's happening. And the prophets are an interesting group. Um, and they, they, sometimes they're a little different. And uh, that makes them special. Uh, but they they would speak the truth of God, and, and the things that they said would, would come to pass because the source of prophecy um, is God. And and God reveals uh, his message and the things that are going to happen to people through the Holy Spirit. Second Peter one twenty one, For prophecy never had its origin in the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So there we see the source of prophecy is from God. 1 Corinthians 2.10. But God has revealed it to us by His Spirit, and the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so the, the Holy Spirit is inspiring folks as God gives the, the message. And God can speak accurately of the future because He's God. Isaiah 46.9-10 says this, Remember the former things, those of long ago, I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I made known the end and the beginning from ancient times what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. And so, so we have this idea of, of um, 
prophecies that are recorded for us in the Bible that we can read and understand, and particularly when the ones that we've seen fulfilled, um, they, they help us in many ways, you know, to settle us and the, the great confidence in the things that are happening and great confidence in Jesus being the Messiah because of the tremendous amount of prophecy he fulfilled uh, in, in his coming. And really, if people, um, there's things that happen that if people, if they would just see them and, be, and open their minds to what's happening, they would know that they would know that there's a God. And uh, we'll actually talk about that some this weekend when I talk about um, the, the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, that the religious leaders, they knew exactly what was happening. They knew that the, the, the way things were happening, it was unfolding according to Scripture, uh, and that, that Messiah was coming at the right time. We're going to look at that today. He was coming when he was supposed to be coming, and he was coming the way he was supposed to be coming on a donkey, and the Pharisees didn't want anything to do with it because they didn't want to lose their deal that they had with the Romans. They, the, 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 the Pharisees were kind of set up, and the Romans pretty much left them alone, and they were in control, and they liked it that way. They didn't want Jesus coming and doing whatever he was about to do, and so they shut it down. Even though that's the see, people don't often get that. They had seen the, the question wasn't any longer was he from God. It was it was resolved. It was they don't like the package, and they're going to do whatever they can to shut it down. That's really sort of unsettling. But people are still like that uh, today. They they uh, they might come to the idea that there's a God, but they don't like the package, and so they just they forget it. Like there's not going to be any ramifications from that, and there there certainly is. So. I want to take, uh, I actually won't, won't take all that long today, but I want to take a, a look at a prophecy in Daniel this week. And then next week, I think what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at, um, you know, sort of pictures of things, how God set things into place. I want to look at some of the feasts, and, and maybe you've done some of that with me before, but how, how Jesus is going to fulfill uh, on that weekend, Easter weekend, what we call it, he's going to fulfill perfectly the first three of seven feasts that Israel was supposed to observe to the day and to the action of what was supposed to happen. And and you'll see that of the seven feasts, Jesus fulfills the first three. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fills number four uh, of the seven, and we're waiting on the last three, which will happen very quickly when they happen. But between four and five is the harvest season, and at the end of harvest, the, the, you know, what signifies the end of harvest is trumpet. And so we're waiting on a trumpet blast. That's what we're all waiting on. And uh, so we're, we're in that season. But we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But this week what I want to do is I want to talk about amazing prophecy in Daniel. And uh, Daniel wrote in, uh, it's important to note this, 538 B.C. And he wrote um, this verse. Uh, it's Daniel 9, 25. Did I put all of them in there? Just 25. Okay, just 25. You might want to read 24 through 27, and that's good. I'm teaching you how to study the Bible. So go back and look at the context. But uh, Daniel has this prophecy, and, and uh, he's getting some help understanding it from an angel, which is pretty handy. And uh, he's, this is fascinating, this particular prophecy. If you've never seen this before, I, I think this, this is a jaw dropper if you've, if you've never seen what's about to happen with Daniel. Remember now, uh, 538. B.C., 538 years before Christ was born, Daniel prophesies this, and in verse, we'll just look at verse 25 today. No one understand this. From the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, or Messiah, in your translation, comes, 
There will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. I want to talk about that. So that's pretty clear so far, right? Seven sevens and 62 sevens. Not so much. All right. What Daniel is saying there is that there's going to be 69 weeks of years between the issuing of a decree to rebuild Jerusalem and the appearance of the Messiah. So that's, that's a pretty tight prediction. All right. Um, he, he's saying that there's going to be 69 weeks of years. And I'll show you how you arrive at what that looks like. But about a week of years is seven years. 69 uh, times seven is what's going to happen. And the Messiah is going to appear. Daniel says that in 538 B.C. So and to be an Old Testament prophet, you have to you can't not you can't get it not right. So uh, he's saying it's going to happen. Messiah will appear in this time period. All right. So in a little background history, in 464 B.C., Artaxerxes, I like to say that. It's one of my favorite names, Artaxerxes. Uh, Artaxerxes is a Persian king, and he ascends to the throne. And uh, his cupbearer is named Nehemiah. Now, you might have heard of Nehemiah before. He's got a book in the Bible. Pretty good dude. Uh, pretty good job, cupbearer, I guess, to the king. Uh, yeah, I think Jerry did a did a message on that not all that long ago, um, and uh, and so uh, here we have Nehemiah. Now, when we start to read the book of Nehemiah, I didn't put these in there, but if you want to read Nehemiah chapter one, you certainly can. Uh, and um, Nehemiah is is really concerned about the ruined condition of Jerusalem at that point in time, and he's heard about it, and it's really affecting him. And so he. Uh, boldly goes to the king at that time, and he was only a cupbearer. This was a big deal. If this didn't go well, it would have been curtain for Nehemiah. But uh, he's the cupbearer to the king, and let me read you the first six verses of Nehemiah 2. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad? And, uh, and when you're not ill, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I, I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so I can rebuild it. And then the king, with the queen sitting behind him, uh, asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? And it pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. All right, so what's happening there is uh, a decree is being made right then uh, to rebuild Jerusalem. And we know that it's in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king. Well, fortunately, we have enough historical data that we can put dates to these kings and when they ruled and what was going on and what was happening. So uh, the Jewish calendar month was Nisan, and, and since no day is given for that, we're going to assume that it's the first day. It's the first day of the, the Jewish New Year, and, and that would have been probably a time when the king was there, and that's happened. So let's just say that we're going to go for that first day. So that's the first day in the month of Nisan, um, but that's in uh, 444 B.C., uh, but that's in the Jewish calendar. So we don't use the Jewish calendar. Um, we use the, the Julian calendar or the Gregorian calendar at this point. And the big differences are um, the Jewish calendar is 
lunar, moon cycles, and our calendar is solar, sun cycles. All right? So you have a little difference in calendars, which you kind of have to think about when you're, when you're studying some prophetic stuff, because there's different calendars. Now, uh, Julian made the counter for us, uh, the calendar that we have. Gregorian changed it a little to, he had to adjust a little for, because you know we have a problem in that we have 365 days on our calendar, and yet our solar year is a little bit longer than that, right? Uh, it's a little bit longer than 365. That's why every four years we have to have a, we have to have an extra day to adjust everything out. Okay, and then, um, uh, except, that was Julian, uh, the, what, the Gregorian calendar, when that came in, they said it's not quite right, and so what has to happen is, I don't know why I'm even telling you this, but um, when, the, when the years hit the 100 mark, so it's uh, 1800, 1900, 2000, well, if that mark isn't divisible by 400, there's not a leap year on that year. So there wasn't a leap year day in 1800, 1900, but there wasn't 2000 because it's divided by, it's divisible by 400 evenly. So, but in 2100, there won't be a, on that particular, that, that year when there's normally a leap day, there won't be one. So not that, that really won't impact any of us, I don't think. Maybe your kids. Yeah, but, but, and it's only a day anyway. All right, well, that's the solar calendar. Now, the lunar calendar, fascinating enough, runs on lunar cycles. So uh, there's uh, 354 days in a lunar calendar because uh, lunar cycles happen at 29 and points almost five, six days or something. So what they do in the Jewish calendar is they run their months, they're either 29 or 30 days alternately, and then every three years they add a whole extra month. Did you know that? And they run the last month, and they just say it's the second month of that in this year. And every three years, they add a month. And there you go. you got the second of these happening. To adjust for, they have to make up 11 days a year to stay current with the solar cycle. Isn't that weird, right? But anyway, they do it. And, uh, and so those things are happening prophetically. So you have lunar days, and you have solar days, and you need to happen. So we, we, but we can pick a day in uh, Jewish history, and we can match it because all the calendars are adjusting. To, uh, to the Julian calendar. So the day when the decree was given, we can track back in the 20th year of our Artaxerxes to March 5th, 444 BC. So, so now the clock is ticking because there's a prophetic word on the line that Daniel said, within 69 weeks of years, not 69 weeks, 69 weeks of years, Messiah is going to show up on the scene. So in that time period, that has to happen. If you read the whole thing in context, we're actually doing with 77s, but that last seven, we're in another gap. 69 had been fulfilled. That last seven, there's lots of theory on where that last seven years, last seven weeks of years come from. But nonetheless, let's not worry about that right now. So, March 5th, 444 BC, that was a great day. Uh, I'm sure we all remember it well. So now, what we have to know is, well, when does Messiah appear? When does, when does Messiah appear? Here's what's interesting. Jesus... For uh, most of his ministry, um, when he was performing miracles, you know what he would say afterwards? Don't go tell anybody. It's not my time yet. Don't say anything. You ever wonder why Jesus is saying those things? So, so uh, like, uh, you know, when he turns the water to wine in John 2, 4. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. Uh, he says this to his disciples in John 7, 6, his brothers, actually. Therefore, Jesus told them, the right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. So, so he's on the scene yet, but, but he's saying, you know, it's not the time. Something happens on Palm Sunday that's fascinating. And, and so 
um, we're going to pick another day, and, and uh, that the other day is this. I, I think it should come up next, March 30th, 33 A.D. All right, now, here's why we're picking that day historically. Um, we, we know when Passover's hit and, and, uh, and the, the feasts that are being fulfilled, we know when they happen on the Jewish calendar, and we can, we can get days for them. Um, we're picking 33 A.D. for this reason, that if we got the calendar, the Julian calendar right, then, then we, and we know from Luke chapter 3 that Jesus started his ministry when he was about 30, Luke says. So let's call it 30. And we know his ministry went three years. All right? So from that, we're going to pick a day, March 30th, 33. Now, where, where you can go with all these things is we, we can be off at some point in time because the Julian calendar might not have got the date quite right when he picked days. There's some discussion about that. He might have been off three or four years. Um, there's, there's, uh, you know, other places. It might not have been, you know, the, the exact 30 years that happened and those kind of things. But, uh, and it might not have been three years in his ministry. Some people say it was maybe only a year, but I think three years is a better guess, uh, a better decision. But on March 3rd, uh, 30th, 33 A.D., uh, he enters Jerusalem on a donkey. Jesus does, and something changes. Now, this was prophesied to happen in Zechariah 9:9. Just so you know, rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout. Daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So prophetically, it was going to say your king's going to ride, but in a very humble way, not on a big horse, not, you know, conquering hero kind of thing. He's coming in, riding in a very humble way on a donkey. Most of you know that's part of what happens on Palm Sunday. But for the first time, Jesus won't tell the people or his disciples to be quiet about who he is. Every other time he said, don't say nothing, don't say nothing. But something happens on this day when he, remember the, the, uh, the people are saying, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They're, they're proclaiming him, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name. They're making a statement, Messiah has arrived, here he is. Remember, the crowd's all hyped up because initially that what's just happened is that Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead. And they followed him to this. That has just taken place. And the crowd is going, this guy can raise people from the dead. And so he's obviously the Messiah. And they're going into town. And it's a big deal. I'll talk more about this on the weekend. Why it's such a big deal for them, though, is they want him to go and overthrow the Romans, which they sure is an easy deal for him. He can raise the dead. But he doesn't do that. Four days later, that same crowd says, crucify, 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 because they're mad because Jesus doesn't do what he wants. It's another situation that we have here. Folks get mad at Jesus because he doesn't do what they want. You, you can't. Jesus is king. You can't make him king. He is king. Anyway, that's a whole. I'll talk about that this weekend. So, uh, Luke, uh, Luke 19, 38 through 40. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stone." cry out. So this was the day on which Jesus was publicly declared Messiah. We have a day in history. All right. So what we need to do then is we need to compare the day of the, de the decree of Jerusalem being rebuilt, which was March 5th, 444 BC. And we have to complain that with the date of Jesus' declaration, March 30th, 33 AD. So I, I mentioned this a little earlier, but when you when you're doing prophetic years, it's fascinating that the Bible tells us that a prophetic year is 360 days. It says that in lots of different places. Um, normally what it says is it calls these seasons times 
times and a half times, you know, times and times and times and a half, three and a half years, they point them out. And they call those three and a half years 42 months or 1260 days. So a, a prophetic year is, a, a prophetic month is 30 days, uh, and a so a prophetic year is 360 days, which is perfect, really, because it's absolutely a mix of 354 lunar calendar days and 365 point something solar calendar days. It's 360. It's what, it's what it should be, right? Because both those calendars are adjusting to the extra time. So when you get a prophetic uh, year, when you're trying to f find things out, you, you need to know that you're dealing with 360-day years, and there's lots of scriptures for that. You can find that. All right. So Daniel states that there's 69 weeks of seven years each. So each year has 360 days. And so this following equation is how we come up with days that we have from the day of the decree until the declaration of Jesus in public. It should be 173,880 days because that's 69 weeks 69 times 7 gives you weeks of years times 360 days. So we got so if we can get anything close to that, we're doing pretty good, right? Because all we have to do is in that period of time, in those 69 weeks, we got to get the Messiah on the scene. So if we can get close, we're doing pretty good. So uh, let's look at the comparison between the interval between the two events. So the time span from 444 B.C., to 33 AD is 476 years. You can do that math, but when you do it, remember that the uh, from 1 BC to 1 AD is only one year because there was no year zero. All right, so you have to kind of think about that when you're doing it. So, um, so we have 476 years that we have to deal with. Now, if we multiply 476 years times 365.2421879 days, which is how you correct for leap years, we get this result, 173,855. Now, that's pretty close, right? Because I think that's pretty amazing. That's pretty close. But wait a minute. That's for March 5th going forward, and we're talking about March 30th. You know what we have to add? 25 days. When we add the 25 days, you know what we end up with? 173,880 days. So what do you think about Daniel, 538 B.C., predicting an event that far in the future to the day? pretty cool, right? Does that make you stop and go, wow? That's what it does to me. That's a jaw dropper. It's like, wow. Now, you can do you can do a lot of this study and people will go, that's not quite right. That's not quite right. I, I think if we're 500 and some years back and we get Messiah in the time frame of 69 weeks, we've done well uh, of seven years. And he did that for sure. But if, if these dates hold up, he did it to the day from the time that they said it would happen. See, that's the kind of stuff that happens in biblical prophecy. It's not a, it's not a God knew exactly what days things were going to take place. And he still does. And he knew exactly how it was going to happen and what was going to be going on in the process. But I, I just think, see, there's so much of that stuff in here. There's so much fulfilled prophecy in here that the, the, uh, the projections of what it would take for somebody to be able to fulfill them other how he the, the the way that he fulfilled them is is you know beyond and off the charts mathematically of what it looks like but but this kind of stuff is out there and people still reject it oh no that's a little coincidence that's like that's got to be more than a little coincidence right <laughs> so um 
It's filled with that stuff. Next week, we're going to talk about the feasts. And, and watch how Jesus fulfilled feasts that have been celebrated by, by the people of Israel for hundreds and hundreds of years, perfectly to the day. Everything that they were doing with the, with the cups when they were going with the blood and with the breaking of the bread, doing the, how he fulfills that. Um, the, the, the early first fruits thing that would happen on, on the next day. And, and if you read in Matthew, there's this little group of people who resurrect. Um, you're hard to even read about it because people don't know how to deal with it and they show up in town a bunch of holy people it says and you're like what is that all about and it's this early little first fruit, first fruit festival that had to happen um, with Jesus and you, the stuff is, is in there and it's amazing um, you know and the, 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 uh, the curtain is torn right? it's, it's, it's amazing stuff that happens but anyway uh, it's, it's all in there and predicted and so anyway I thought you might enjoy that I'm going to end it there and we'll, uh, we'll do a little more study on this next week. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. We'll see you soon. And uh, cool.